in order to move to the next section in Mark of chapter 9, verses 42 through 50, I'd like to sort of review this morning in the first part of the message where we are going into that section so we see that continuity. And so I'm going to bring to our attention once again some of the verses before that going into that whole section. So I'm going to turn in to Mark chapter 9 verse 30 and begin there and, to the, and read to the end of the chapter. Chapter 9 verse 30. Listen to the holy word of God. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? And they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me, for the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of the little ones, these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be, salt, for everyone will be salted with fire. 
salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are very much taken by these words of our Savior. They come to us in a way in which we must be sober-minded ourselves and concentrate upon what he has said unto us. Give to us the continual joy of the salvation that we have in Christ, but help us not to be deceived by ourselves as well and in terms of our own sin. Help us to look to Christ in Christ alone for our salvation. In Christ's name, amen. There is no doubt that the words of Christ in verses 42 through 50 are not popular among a vast number of Christians in our day. Jesus mentions the term hell three times in the text as a literal place. He speaks of the unquenchable fire twice. He presents one disturbing image of being thrown into the sea. In fact, most Christians probably do not realize that no one speaks about hell in the entire Bible more than our Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet many Christians want to bypass this fact by falling into the romantic modern trap of viewing Jesus solely as a preacher and teacher who accents love, who accents forgiveness for everyone. Furthermore, unbelievers enjoy this romantic viewpoint of love and forgiveness against believers to justify and demand tolerance of their own sinful lifestyle. Sadly, many Christians use this same narrow, romantic understanding of Jesus' teachings to justify the sinful lifestyles of their friends, their own lives, and also the issue of judging others. But such viewpoints are not submissive to the full counsel of God's word found in the teachings of Jesus and its application to fallen humanity within a fallen creation. Congregation, we must admit that the instruction of our Savior to the disciples in verses 42 through 50 is quite sobering. We do not want to lose sight that Mark has arranged this text in Jesus' continual teaching and instruction of his disciples sitting down there in the house 
in Capernaum. Jesus' instruction has been quite pointed so far, but it is about to even intensify. But although the narrative will intensify, the tone in this case, interestingly, from the Greek in the text, is an instructional, patient tone. He is trying to drive home precisely what it means to be humble, what it means to be a servant, what it means to be for the advancement of the gospel against the kingdom of Satan through the unity, the unity of the body of Christ. Now do not confuse Jesus' instructional tone to be such that its content is less direct and to the point of what it means to live as a disciple in Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' words have eternal significance and importance for discipleship. We cannot skip over them, nor can we take them lightly. So as you can see, Jesus in our text this morning, verse 42, is speaking about the little ones, which corresponds to his comments about the child he took into his arms back in verses 36 and 37. Now, as we follow the instruction of our Lord from verses 36 and 37 into verse 42, there will be an interesting change occurring with respect to the little ones in verse 42. To grasp the change, let us note some key points in the flow of the text, which will enlighten us when we come to mentioning the precise change occurring in verse 42. This change will be seen by highlighting the word, if you notice in the text there, the word whoever, the word whoever, if you look at the text. It appears twice, appears twice in verses, in verse 37. Once in verse 41 and once in verse 42. In verse 37, notice, whoever receives one such child. Then later in the same verse, Jesus says, whoever receives me, referencing himself. In verse 41, notice, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink. Then in verse 42, notice, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Now the term whoever becomes a key word in Christ addressing the subject of discipleship to those chosen future apostles in Christ's church. 
the whoever has a specific application to those who will be leaders, leaders in Christ's church. That is those who hold office, but also it will have broad application to the whole, to the whole body of Christ as well. All, all in Christ's body need to listen carefully to the instruction of our master, for it is a very sobering text. The term whoever gives continuity to the flow of the text, it is very personal. The text is very personal. Addressed to persons, you, me, in the kingdom and the church. So as we listen, remember that key word in the, in the flow of Mark's gospel here. As we listen to and wish to live the words of Christ, let us return to verse 37 and review what Christ has been saying to his disciples at that point. As you recall, the context of verse 37 the disciples at this stage in their lives need a faith that gets over their own trivial arguments about who is the greatest. Who's the greatest? The disciples as well as ourselves need a faith that will embrace Christ who as the first, Christ as the first became last. A servant to all of us who lived the life of self-denial, although he is the greatest. Yes, the disciples and all of us need the kind of faith that resembles the humble dependence of a child that Jesus takes and wraps in his arms. Why? Because what Jesus says is a deeper revelation of himself that will presently bypass the disciples, but will eventually be open to them and is surely now, in terms of Christ's revelation and his death, resurrection, and ascension, is definitely open to all of us this morning. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. As we pointed out, please understand the words of Christ in 937 under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That is, with the, your eyes of faith fastened fastened on Revelation 12.5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to the throne. The child that Jesus holds up before his disciples is a picture of himself and the humility 
of Christ's identity and kingdom. Indeed, forget worldly prestige about who is the greatest and be servants to all because the victory of the gospel in the world is not, is not with the traditional rods of war, spears and swords, but the rod of iron that is victorious in the world is a baby, is a baby, is a child, a solemn picture of humility and dependence. Yes, to repeat, the disciples and the church must receive such a child because in doing so, it is receiving Christ. Yes, let us be humble servants to all. So let me ask you this morning, are your are the hands and the arms of Christ wrapped around you and your life? Are you being governed by human hands of wickedness in this world, or are you being governed by the hands of Christ? Now, how is the humility in servanthood rooted in Jesus supposed to look like in the life of the church? Well, not with characteristics of envy and jealousy when in the name of Christ we witness others who are not part of us defeating Satan. Yes, the rod of iron of humility found in the child will as a united front of true believers in Christ's church. Yes, those who are truly committed to the sanctity of Christ's holy and redeeming name will be propelled to the exercise of conquering demons of Satan's forces for the glorification of Christ and his church. Yes, those who truly confess with their lips and believe in their hearts every word that Jesus taught and every activity that Jesus performed form a united front against the kingdom of Satan. And this united body is going to expand by the Holy Spirit beyond the domain of just the disciples and the apostles of Christ. The time is coming that as the apostles will be transformed into living the life of true servanthood in Christ, that they will be the recipients, they themselves will be the recipients of the explosion of servanthood in the whole body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The day is coming when they will be served by others for their glorious service in Christ. Yes, they will be given a cup of water, a cup of courtesy and hospitality from fellow believers 
some whom they have never met before, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Verse 41. Well, in Christ's instruction of his disciples at this time, he is most clear about what the life of the believer and the church is to look like concerning pride, envy, arrogance, dependence upon the Lord, the weapons of humility and servanthood, and the unified battle against the kingdom of Satan. If you want to look further about what this looks like, then look no further than this teacher who is the covenant promise of the Father in heaven, the Son of Man, Jesus the Christ, Mark tells us, who is taking the root of servanthood that no man in history could take or even duplicate. Yes, for the redemption and deliverance of wicked sinners in the world, he will suffer many things and be rejected by the Jewish Sanhedrin who will kill him. And after three days, he will rise from the dead, defeating Satan, death, and sin for those Whoever, whoever receives his act of redemption by faith in his name. Now, considering such a great salvation in Christ's name, the only name by which sinful humanity can be saved, there comes some very serious teaching from Jesus that gives governance over the life of the church and our individual lives in verses 42 through 50. This morning, I will focus, I wish to focus in our remaining time together on just verse 42. Just verse 42. I'm planning other messages on the rest of this passage. The previous whoever clauses have been pushing the disciples into a positive response of service. Back in verse 37, whoever receives. Verse 41, whoever gives. But in verse 42, please notice, Jesus says, Whoever causes, whoever causes, you can sense from these very words that something of serious concern is on the mind of our Savior. The sanctification, the holiness of the body of Christ, his church, is in view here. 
In verse 42, Jesus is speaking about something that occurs to someone who believes in him, in his name, if you carefully read that verse. To see the impact here, just look over verses 37 through 41 and notice how often Jesus uses the term from verses 37 through 41, the term me. My name, in a serious reference to his supernatural and religious identity of himself and ministry. But now, but now in verse 42, we are entering into a serious situation that could, in fact, happen in Christ's church could happen in Christ's church. And in fact, it will. It will and has now where we live happen in the life of the church. We read from Peter this morning warning us about that. And Christ is quite direct in his pronouncement of such action. What is this dangerous action that attacks the sanctification, the holiness of the church and believers in Christ's flock? Look at the text. Look at verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. First, the Greek form of the verb, whoever causes, denotes an intentional action. Don't miss that. An intentional action on the part of the person or persons acting in this case. It is their intention to cause someone to sin. It is their intention to cause someone to sin. Second, who are the little ones whom the person or persons are intentionally causing to sin? As you can understand, the little ones here in verse 42 corresponds to the child appearing in verses 36 and 37. However, there is a difference in the two references. Here is the change that we spoke about earlier. In verses 36 and 37, Jesus is using the child to point to himself and the identity of his ministry. But in verse 42, most scholars hold that the little ones point to the identity of the entire body of the church, the entire body of Christ's church. Yes, in verse 42, Jesus is in the context of instructing the disciples concerning the future application of the ministry to believers 
in Christ's flock. These believers, the true flock of Christ, will give a cup of water to like-minded servants. Back to 41. However, here in verse 42, Christ gives a solemn warning to all who are in the church. It's a very solemn warning. But interestingly, as you look at the text and you look at the flow of the text, you will notice that Jesus doesn't provide any practical examples here in verse 42. Come on, give us some practical examples here. What are you talking about? that would cause this type of judgment upon us. But really, he does not have to provide, provide examples. Since the disciples should have in their Jewish tradition a clear framework for the understanding of sin. An understanding of sin. That is what we call in our Reformed tradition, the third use of the law. That is, the moral law is relevant and important in the life of sanctification, the holiness in Christ's church. Hence, we can say this. The warning here is to anyone, anyone who intentionally causes a believer to sin by worshiping other gods, creating an image of God, taking God's name in vain, violating the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, dishonoring godly parents to murder, commit adultery, steal, lie, to covet, are all serious offenses against the holiness of God and the holiness and righteousness of Christ and his gospel. And his gospel. Going forward in Mark's gospel, Christ is going to crucify such sins to the cross so that the church and those who claim to be believers must not intentionally, the church, believers, must not intentionally cause the church and fellow servants in Christ to be engaged in such sin. The righteousness and holiness of Christ's servants are to be written upon the hearts and in the life of the church in every single believer. The seriousness of such action, the seriousness of the sanctification, the holiness of the body of Christ is very apparent in Jesus' words of severe warning for such an intentional action on the part of people in the church of Jesus Christ. It's very clear. Yes, 
the punishment of such intentional action is so severe that it would be better. Notice what Jesus is saying. It would be better for the person or persons causing such sin in a believer to have a millstone hung around their neck. Let us pause for a moment. What is this illustration which our Lord here is using and bringing before us? The stone that is described as a millstone is much heavier than the stone in a hand mill at this time. In fact, what is interesting, the millstone is so heavy that a donkey had to be the power behind the stone for it to function. Then Jesus adds the gruesome aspect that the millstone is just not attached to the neck, to the collar, but it is attachment, its attachment goes entirely around the neck in which the one causing one to sin is thrown into the sea to drown. It is better for the one causing sin in a believer to drown with no escape in the sea than to experience than experience what is truly going to occur to them by the judgment of God in hell. Christ's option here, what's better, drowning or hell itself? Pretty sober, pretty sobering, isn't it? O congregation of our risen Savior, as difficult and convicting the words of Christ are before us this morning, let us not lose sight in our hearts to live the positive, the positive elements of discipleship in this section to one another as the church of Jesus Christ. Denying oneself to fully expose the humility of Christ in each one of us. Let that be us. To serve one another as Christ has served us. Let that be us. All of this being done. You see, all of this being done in reflection and in the pattern of the sacrificial life of our Savior, our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. Let it be part of us that we give a cup of water to each other when the need is right in front of us. Right in front of us. Let that be us. Congregation, through the power of the Holy Spirit within us right here, let it be said and let it be done 
that instead of causing one to sin, we must be a church of encouragement that encourages and supports each other in the pattern of Christ. May it be, may it be that we truly die to sin and live in the newness of Christ's resurrection. May it be that this congregation lives the sanctified life of holiness in Jesus Christ. Let's pray for help. Our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, you have given so much on our behalf. You have given our, your spirit now to lead and direct us. We call upon thee to descend upon us through thy spirit that we ourselves would live in a way in which we encourage, support each other that we would truly die to sin in Christ and live in the newness of his resurrection. May that be on display in our lives. Give us the impetus to do those things which are from above to each other in support of each other. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.